So the next question I want to ask you about will be interesting for you to answer, I'm imagining. So what is the process of trying to extract the concept of indigenous, indigeneity, there's not words for those ideas, feel like in spaces of whiteness? How does, how's that whole thing go? And then two, so it can be like from your perspective, what is it like to try to pull that out and then present it in those spaces? Uh, it also can be what has been your own struggle with uh, culture not getting or understanding stuff and creating a space where uh, indigeneity rises, like comes to more of the forefront and then whiteness more takes its backseat. Uh, it could also be things that you've learned through that process too. Um, I'm really interested in that too because um, mm -hmm. I feel like uh, there's a really big need for indigenous thinking right now for a lot of the problems that we're having. Um, I think I mentioned this the last time I met with you is, you know, you couldn't kick someone out of the tribe, really. You can't just be like, I'm really pissed at you, so I know you're like the best like clothes maker, but just get out. Like, there was no process for that. We had to figure it out. We were like together and stuck, and so we had to find a connect, a way to connect and understand and live together. Um, and we've lost that skill in greater like American society. But yeah, I was curious to hear what that experience of uh, giving rise to indigeneity in a space of whiteness that doesn't want it to exist mm -hmm. unconsciously and may intentionally at times attempt mm -hmm. to oppress it and silence that voice. Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I know, it's a super um, deep question. I think um, you could probably tell listeners by their names, mm -hmm. <laughs> but neither Garcia or Grissens are white people, which is, mm -hmm. um, but they're also not indigenous. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I would say that's been a really a gift to this process. Um, in uh, having that outside point of view because I make a lot of assumptions about indigeneity and and about <laughs> the ease <laughs> and just little things or and then we have weird little things like I would let Michael ring a bell in rehearsal um, <laughs> and I'd be brought him a rattle instead like uh, it, I mean down to the silly little things like that and I'm just like why is there a bell in rehearsal this is so weird and, and you know, just goofiness <laughs> like that. But it, it matters to me that I just make assumptions that I don't think about. Mm -hmm. that, but also they have a really beautiful, both of these, and so I'm gonna shut up in a second, because both of these guys have a really beautiful um, way of um, seeing both myself in the process and seeing the process and the indigenous folks in it and being able to absorb and reflect in a really lovely way. So I'm not gonna say much. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that something on this process has really uh, been eye-opening for me is just how like, the colonial structures in place that I just took for granted is like oh yeah that just made the most sense so that's why it is that the way it is mm -hmm. and I go back to this idea of like theater as a contraction of what it really can be mm -hmm. you know because theater is so rigidly hierarchical and the canon that is upraised is always the old you know the old alcoholic white guy that mm -hmm. was writing these masterpieces you know by himself yeah you know? and and I think just now I'm realizing that a big distinction, the messiness of like many voices mm -hmm. and the community that comes with it, uh, to me, is representative of like the like the, like the 
the spirit of Native Nation and what urban res may have been mm -hmm. um, versus the idea of the theater where we have the playwright and then the director and then they go off and they control this they control the process tight with an iron grip and you know actors come in and are replaced and thrown away and designers come and, and give a couple of ideas but uh, like uh, yeah it's just making me question a lot about how, how, how like the, me the methods of theatrical production in place today and uh, making me question a lot about just other structures that I took for granted yeah yeah, one of the best things I've ever heard is any system was designed to have the results that it has intentionally on purpose and very specifically. And so, I take so much of that for granted. Yeah, this. but it's neat because you're almost reimagining this thing uh, and showing folks a new way to. There's a, I talk about the work that I do, uh, I describe it as unthinking because you have to unlearn um, what was there and then learn how to do something completely different in a way you've never seen or considered before but uh it's a neat process it's just super hard yeah i'm um, learning a lot on this process i bet yeah <laughs> i mean just yesterday we were at the herd museum and uh, it's, it's an interesting space where it's you know all about the up upraising of Amer uh, american indian art mm -hmm. but then i was reading about the history of the, the museum itself mm -hmm. and how you know it kind of started because mrs Hurd just was collecting the knickknacks and she was into all the different you know all the curiosities mm -hmm. uh, and i'm sure it's done great work since you know since since how since it was founded and has really brought visibility to a lot of incredible indigenous artists. Mm -hmm. But there's like this is like there's, it's interesting how because Mr. Hurd himself was a huge landowner and he was instrumental in like economic and uh, uh, political decisions that directly affected water rights in this area, which directly affected the tribal nations in this area. Mm -hmm. And so now they have this legacy of maintaining and maintaining American Indian uh, culture, but. Right. We forget that you know maybe there was there, there's some part of that history that they how they contributed to the decimation of it. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just really interesting to unlearn these things. Yeah, and I think going through that complexity helps because um, I feel like in my work people also want to do what I do perfectly, and I'm like, oh no, it's a giant mess, and um, <laughs> you're gonna offend people all the time, and um, there's no perfect and. Um, just when you want to judge, you should slow down because it usually means your mistakes like right around the corner. Right. Um, and having that uh, patience for people to come back and come back around is really important too. Because there's no great, there is no perfect, there is no, you know, like, there's nothing the herds could have done well, perfectly, right? right? Like, it's just is what it is and it looks like what it looks like. And um, hopefully we can help and reimagine the future, right? But in, in the moment, it's that's what it was right. you know uh, and it's really just hard to like look at that and I wish we could like you know have the little section where they'd be like oh, this also happened with the herds you know right. but we're not ready for that thing yet in America sadly stupid whiteness <laughs> <laughs> how are you Michael yeah I mean again a complicated fraught question with a lot of answers um, yeah. you know I think um, I think uh, you know, I like when you like we aren't ready for that, and yet I also think we are right. Like mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of things that we've all known and we've all been experienced are being surfaced right now, mm -hmm. and at the same time that there's this powerful reaction against it, right? Like mm -hmm. we we're in a moment of 
extreme white lash mm -hmm. and at the same time you have this this powerful stuff that is counter the narrative of centrality of male white dominance doing like gays is is, is is happening and it's it's all very unsettling and all very dangerous right mm -hmm. and you know in terms of making work I mean I think I think I think art can reflect the power structures as they are mm -hmm. you know or art can seek to subvert them right mm -hmm. and I think a lot for me a lot of the problem with art that I admire and that I enjoy that is that does seek to subvert the accepted the, the sort of uh, implicitly or explicitly accepted narratives is, is, is a problem of centrality. Like, we, we, we seek to subvert it, but we still assume certain centralities, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I think the challenging and difficult work of trying to move away to really see things as, as they are, you know, mm -hmm. or, or as uh, see things newly, start, start to under, really understand the world around us and the world we're in and the world we live in in our lives mm -hmm. is to is to is to try to subvert that centrality that we've accepted so deeply or at least mm -hmm. some of us have and I, I think i think i'm one of them it's sort of a i'm learning a lifetime and generations of cultural habit right absolutely um so you know it, you know at cornerstone uh, cornerstone is our, our big artistic decisions and mission-based decisions are made by consensus mm -hmm. by the artists involved right and um uh, uh, many years ago, I worked uh, for a couple of years with an indigenous company in southern Mexico, and I learned by experience. No one told me what was going on, but yeah. I found out that we were making decisions by consensus. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. What was happening? Yeah. Why everything was taking so long? Yeah. And they were speaking, speaking Tzotzil, and I don't speak Tzotzil, so I was just sitting there trying to understand what was happening. Yeah. And it slowly came to understand that we were we were finding a place of consensus together, mm -hmm. right, in the circle. And that was really challenging for me, and, and I pushed against it pretty hard a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. like, we just have to do this, you know. Yeah. And they would just be like, you know, <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever, man. Just, <laughs> yeah. They thought it was funny. I got laugh <laughs> right, a lot. Yeah. So I elicited laughter. That was usually the response. I had. I'd sit down in despair and <laughs> wait, and then we 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 a decision would happen somehow. We worked, and and I I didn't really understand that. I still don't entirely, but but. I think the impulse that the company had, and that was something that happened before I came to the company, of of creating a circle of consensus is towards that, mm -hmm. right? Imperfectly, and mm -hmm. of its time, and we can look back and laugh at ourselves, and, and and also see ourselves, and and so, but even in that circle of consensus, you still have the problem of centrality, mm -hmm. you know, and I think we're just starting to understand that, mm -hmm. and I think, I think. Uh, the process of engaging of, with Urban Res and with our community members and with Larissa and with our other fellow artists in that process was one that really started shifting our thinking and our understanding like hey we need to really really think about how we shift the center of our process mm -hmm. and we're just starting to do that we're just starting to try to figure that out you know it's only been yeah. a few years but but I think I think for me that's a big part of when we talk about indigenizing our particular white space, mm -hmm. which is a white space space that's in resistance and all the other stuff, but it's still a white space. Right. Is 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 how we actually actually change the center, actually change how decisions are made. Mm -hmm. How do you lead through real without being the center at all? Right. And I, I don't I, I as a as an individual, as a human being on my path, I don't have that answer yet. Like I don't know 
I mean, I'm trying to understand how to do that, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in a room differently, and mm-hmm. I haven't been for a long time, and I'm on a journey with that. I don't know if I'll ever get there. Yeah. But I think that's, and and how do we how do we how do we cure ourselves of this profound evil that we, that that is, perverted our bodies and minds and lives, you know. Yeah. And so just slowly on that process, really. So, but I think I think I think I think that's what we seek to do, mm-hmm. um, and you know, do a lot of listening. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that you were saying, it's one of the things that's a big theme in the podcast that I have is um, it is a journey, but it doesn't have a destination. There's no there. You'll yeah. never arrive. Well, we're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. You know, um, because yeah, <laughs> even if we figured, like, if, if somehow we woke up and we understood everything is with um, all uh, people who have ever been othered tomorrow, to the same within the same day, another sense of otherness would arise because it's always been asked to sit and not talk. So even if we understood everything that exists as we understand it now, there would be more. Sure. Um, but what I try to show, tell people on the podcast, it's the process of coming to understand that helps. It makes you a better person. You see and appreciate the world a little bit differently. Um, you're willing to do self-critique. Uh, you hear people differently. Mm. And I don't know, like more joy comes into your life because you see and understand things differently. You don't have to have things such a certain way. You learn when people kind of laugh at you, you're like, okay, well, maybe that was kind of funny. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> my assumption of you should be done now. I've definitely Apparently it's hilarious, and maybe I need to learn to laugh at that notion myself. But it's that process, I think, that's fun. There's another question that's related to this that might, that might come up uh, with you again. Um, so one of the questions I want to ask now is, you were doing this uh, in LA just under Cornerstone, right? Was there not really other partners? So here you are, right? You're partnering with ASU. I mean, giant university, um, you know, primarily white-serving institution who, uh, who I mean, know enough to bring you in, right? So we can give them that nod, right? But yes. uh, at the same point in time, constructed under whiteness, white spaces. And you're trying to bring this process that you just sort of figured out here to them. Uh, and knowing, right, there's there's no such thing as perfect. It's a mess, and you have to wade through the mess. What's the process been like? <gasps> Profound silence. You know, I, I will say for me, I'm so I have no academic background of any kind. Mm-hmm. I, I've almost got a year of college all together. Mm-hmm. Um, academia and I have been enemies since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So just the whole, the structure is a completely foreign world to me. Yeah, I, don't I would even, imagine. Because I've never been a recipient of the structure, you yeah. know, so I, I have no idea what's happening <laughs> most of the time. Right. Um, and, and we're in a kind of an interesting situation because ASU Gamage is a separate entity mm-hmm. and yet part of ASU, it's in the name, right? ASU right. Gamage, and yet they are a very separate entity. Mm-hmm. And But we have partners, um, uh, Center for Indian Education, CIE, is one mm-hmm. of our partners in this with Dr. Brayboy's um, uh, organization, or is that, see, I don't even know what to call it. But group. His, his group, I don't know, yeah. which call CIE, but yeah. they're within ASU. And so he's one of our partners, and he's been hugely beneficial for me as a fellow indigenous person, although he is an he is, you know, has a PhD and is an academic. He's been hugely beneficial in helping translate this world for me anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know about these guys, but um, and helping me just navigate and understand. Like, I don't even know who these people are. There's chancellor things and dean things. And I don't even titles. know what these are. Yeah. Like, I'm like, a chancellor. Sounds like like your Muhammad Ali picture with a big crown on or something. Yeah, and there's like bells or something. Yeah, it seems I, like, the chancellor, it seems yeah. like it should be ding, ding, Yeah, ding I don't know. Be, yeah, it's all, so it's completely foreign to me. Yeah. 
Um, what's not foreign to me is, is working in a white space um, mm. through many situations of my childhood, which will take way too long to go into. Um, the, I've re come to realize as an adult, the gift I was given is the gift of translation. Mm -hmm. So I am an indigenous person who knows how to translate things for a white Western viewpoint, mm -hmm. um, a white Western gaze, I guess, um, <clears throat> and into a format that is still indigenous mm -hmm. at its core, but makes sense to the Western world. And that's the gift I've been given. I would, you know, much rather have a different gift. It'd be a yeah. lot easier. God, it would be good. <laughs> so much easier. Everybody else is really happy you have it, though. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting. Yes, right? it is. Because everything I, you know, it's just endless code switching, endless uh, microaggressions, endless straight out aggression. Yeah. Just, yeah, endless being othered, endless being exotified, endless all of it, um, being misunderstood, um, endless being angry. Yeah. a lot of anger and so for a hopeful oddly not hopeful but hopeful person I have a lot of anger. I'm optimistic I'm not hopeful I'm optimistic mm -hmm. but yeah so there's just that I, I, I end a lot of days being pissed off I get a lot of days being pissed off uh, and I you know I remember I was talking to someone who's like oh this is white player right they're like oh you're so lucky you get to do all this extra fun work it's so fun you get to do all this community stuff you get to do all this. I was like oh my god you're privileged that you get to you show up you write a play and you walk away. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine. And we get paid the same amount of money. Like, right. you yeah. probably get paid more because you're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, yes. Well, if we just take turnaround time and uh, work involved, oh of course he's getting paid more. Yeah, right? Because it's just so much easier endless. to do that thing, right? Yeah, exactly. They just <clears throat> write something and they don't, they're not responsible to, you know, 560, whatever it is now. We just added some indigenous nations and, yeah. you know, they're not responsible to uh, their community. They're not responsible to anybody. Mm -hmm. They just, do shit and throw it out there and right. people hate it whatever they just yeah. keep going right. um it's wild and and so um they don't have to worry about misrepresenting white people you know it's yeah. so weird and they don't have to train people and they don't have to do all these things and constantly educate all day long educate 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 mm -hmm. so that would be awesome on one hand mm -hmm. but on the other hand like it's what a privilege that i get to do this you mm -hmm. know it, it's i get to spend my life serving community mm -hmm. In, in this beautiful way that lets mm -hmm. me work with these amazing collaborators mm -hmm. and all these different communities. I work with, you know, dozens of indigenous communities every year. Mm -hmm. um, what a gift! Like, what? I, I can't. I never dreamt that this would be um, my path in the world. It wasn't a path I looked for. It's the path that found me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I get to um, be of service in this world and feel like I've earned a spot on the planet by doing this mm -hmm. is crazy. Yeah. And people have to do really crappy things to get through this world. Yeah. And I get to do this mm -hmm. and still be of service. That's yeah. amazing. It's a miracle. You fantastically set up a question that I didn't know if I'd be able to answer <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> so I've always found that when I'm doing my best and most important work, some part of what I'm doing is exercising some demon that I need to rid myself of, right? It's like, uh, the easy term for it is like scratching your own itch, right? <laughs> like, there's something about what you're doing that helps or heals you in some way with your past or background. And so, again, like, yeah, I'm sure you're like, dude, you have a lot of really complicated questions. <laughs> um, but I don't think people that do this work find themselves in these spaces by accident. There's something about what they're doing that's helping or healing or resolving something that 
or helping them get to an understanding that's going to need to help serve them better in the future too. So what about this project is in some way either helping you confront like one of those demons, you know, those things maybe you might not tell a lot of people, or uh, helping you like remove a blockage that you wouldn't experience otherwise? Well, I think, <laughs> so I, when I first came to Cornerstone, you know, I was having a crisis of like, oh, theater is so selfish. And now I'm realizing I love this work in a selfish way uh, because <laughs> I, I am a director and I want to direct. <laughs> and uh, so so often the experience, the, like, uh, if there's one consistent advice I've, I've gotten from professional directors, it's that, you know, you just have to live life and experience as much as you can to be a good director. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you have to learn the theories and, and, and hone your craft and all that good stuff that you could go to school for or you could just practice on your own on the side. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that this, this, um, this engagement work for me personally is, I believe, making me a better director. Well, ultimately, only just contribute to that and every time I'm with these two I just feel like wow there's so little life I've lived now there's so much more that I need to go out and experience because they got stories it's like <laughs> they got stories it's crazy <laughs> they do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I'm just sitting there thinking like all right I gotta I gotta experience all that too I gotta gotta you know um, I need to, to, to widen the, the breadth of my life experience to get to where I really want to be. I don't know if that's quite confronting any demons, but it's uh, it's that's something for me is what I get out of this work personally. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a demon, right? I think when what you told me earlier, it's more that feeling of lostness and almost done, right? Like you put so much into your path and experience, had you not like stumbled into this stuff you know where almost would you have been then too right right you know so like i'd probably resolving. be making more money uh, <laughs> totally but <laughs> i don't know if i would be as uh contented as i am in mm -hmm. my work yeah so it's probably that piece yeah and knowing you're making a difference yeah yeah, yeah. and truly believing that i mean i think the one thing that the theater makers really willed is that power of belief? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, also, I grew I grew up in a Catholic school, so I have a lot of that, you know, yeah. that, that, that background. I my first thing, I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut, but I also wanted to be a priest, you know. Not yeah. many kids wanted to be a priest at one point, so I think it's it's not too big of a surprise that I ended up on this path because mm -hmm. I really want to create spaces of shared belief, mm -hmm. and I get I get that out of this work. And even going back to the work, going going back to the discussion about like a new experience, like I, I, yeah, it's terrifying, but it's also so so exciting. And I think it's it's what imbues the the work ultimately with the uh, artistic value or whatever way you can term that kind of ineffable like attribute mm -hmm. of art. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's what I get out of this work. Yeah, do it for me. <laughs> um, no, an answer to that question. Um, this project, uh, for me, in terms of uh, in terms of what I'm personally getting out of it. Yeah, like, what do you think? Why do you think you find yourself in this space? Is it something that you needed to learn? Is it something that you? Yeah, I mean, needed to resolve within yourself. I definitely. Um, I mean, I grew up, uh, in, you know, in Colombia, in a in a seriously, uh, seriously class society. Yeah. And uh, in that class society, uh, the people who were not 
regarded and not seen with indigenous people for sure. And uh, so, you know, I, I think a lot of my work as an adult in general has been trying to work my way and push my way through a lot of just that. And certainly when I work in these spaces, on these, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's working in, in, you know, with a lot of rage and a lot of uh, uh, pain against that, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, yeah. So I think that's, that, that for me is a big part of it. Um, the, the assumptions that were laced into that particular Catholic child <laughs> were pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and violently laced into that. So I think that, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's been, that's been a big lifelong process for me. Yeah. And I, I, it, do, it does feel acute in, in the work we've been doing. For yeah. Sure, particularly acute. Um, you know, I found, I found doing Urban Res, and I imagine we'll find this project uh, super vulnerable, super, uh, uh, um, you know, made me self-examine a lot. It was really challenging. It's also deeply, deeply joyful mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and affirming, you know. So, you know, I aspire to have some iteration of that experience to, yeah. to continue. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think um, I would say one thing I just would add is this, this has been very joyful for me to get to share this experience with collaborators that get it. Um, mm -hmm. that's, people get very quickly hooked on like engaging with indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Because it's a beautiful thing that they don't get to have, and, right. and the kind of access we're given is very different um, through this process than your average person off the street will ever get in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing, and so I see that with consistently with people that um, you know that I work with that they get really hooked on on this amazing, rich experience. It's like they realize there's an entire other world mm -hmm. right there where right they there. are. Yeah, like <laughs> and literally it's been going right there. On all yeah. around. So going around them all their lives, and they didn't even know it was there. You know, yeah. and and so that's a beautiful thing to see. Let's say it's been um, uh, particularly. Uh, joyful doing this with Michael for these five years we've been working together in different on and off and there's some breaks in there um, but there's uh, it's just really for me it's been really wonderful to have a collaborator working with me that's not just a, a, a really good match for me artistically but someone who has um, taken on um, this learning he's talking about so deeply and intensely um, and he gets ahead of me, like, because I'm learning, right? I'm not from here, so I'm yeah. learning. And he'll get ahead of me, and I'm like, fuck, I need to. I like, you know, I gotta catch up, right? right. Like, oh yeah. shoot, he's read everything, <laughs> and and he's really, I mean, he's really, um, he takes the responsibility mm -hmm. uh, to heart very strongly, yeah. not just to learn for himself, but to be able to, like he's talking about, take a, a different kind of space in the room. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really uh, been, it's lovely to get to now continue this process with a new group of people. Yeah. And to continue and watch like how it affects these guys and then watching how it's been affecting Michael Garcia. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm really <laughs> enjoying that. It's very joyful for me to get to, to bring these people along into this, mm -hmm. into my world, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to let them um, 
be the kind of people that get to experience the full access in a way that many people wouldn't, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I do this work and it's like, we have the meeting, and then as soon as my collaborators leave from the theater company, then the Native people and I talk, you know? <laughs> right. yeah. like, it's like, okay, whew, they're gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now let's have the real conversation, you know? <laughs> right. yeah. And um, I, I, people can see and feel the amount of work um, this, you know, that Michael Garces puts into this, and, and it's lovely to watch them give him that access mm -hmm. and to watch our people um, recognize the work he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a weird gratification in that um, for me, mm -hmm. you know, again, to see that and have that experience when so often it's not like that. So then for you, would you say that it's, you know, because again, talking about like the deeply personal, yeah. right? Um, part of why I'm I asking you these questions. I'm not, I'm not attacking it to you, cry, but um, you know, when we open up a bit and tell people about like yeah. what the, what this stuff is, it just creates trust, interest, intrigue. Because yes. um, in the world, people aren't like, hey, here's my soft underbelly. What's going on with that? Um, but would you say that? Uh, That's what we do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but you know, you also have to. Have trust in the person attempting to do that stuff with you, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, one of the things I teach here is nonviolence, mm -hmm. and it's that um, somebody has, has to give something first, uh, and giving, like, being nonviolent is giving the opportunity for love and connection first, mm -hmm. which sucks mm -hmm. over and over again all the time, because it's always you. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I also find when people ex receive it, I get it, right? Because yeah. you can't give it away without receiving it back. Um, I'm wondering if, like, if, if that's it, but that's, wow, what, yeah. what is it, what is it, what does that do that comes back to you, is oh, my gosh, question to you. Right? Yeah, everything. Um, gives me purpose, gives me, um, I mean, because I'm coming from Southern Lakota culture, if you could see what I'm doing with my fingers, <laughs> um, <laughs> in the center is you, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's these concentric circles, first mm -hmm. there's your immediate family, your um, extended family, your village family, your band, it goes on and on to mm -hmm. the entire universe. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of it. There is room in a circle for everyone mm -hmm. in relationship to me. Yeah. And I believe in that, that all people belong in the circle and all beings belong in the circle. And so coming from that and knowing that, so in that center where I am standing, we don't define ourselves as that lone individual. We define ourselves in relationship to each circle. Mm -hmm. and to each person in, or being in the circle. Mm -hmm. So um, we, there isn't a sense of self in Lakota culture that is without others. Mm -hmm. I can't define myself in our language, in our culture, without defining myself in relationship to people. Mm -hmm. There's just, it's just not a, something that lives in our, in our culture or our language. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who is not living in my culture mm -hmm. and is not living in Lakota's space just because my job doesn't exist there right. <laughs> and because I've been given this gift to do this translation thing elsewhere you know getting doing this work gives me that right mm -hmm. so I get to um, be in this space in Arizona and, mm -hmm. and indigenous people are so incredibly generous and allow me to be able to define myself because I can't define myself alone. Mm -hmm. um, I can only define myself in relationship to others, mm -hmm. and so I get that, and, and I get I get given that gift again and again from Indigenous people. I'm thinking about it's just up in Alaska. I'm about to go to Alaska again and Hawaii again, and you know these different Indigenous people I work with, and 
they give me that gift of self-definition because I don't exist without them. And they let me have all these beautiful circles that are so much bigger than um, I ever thought I'd have. And I also then get to have it with my collaborators. You mm -hmm. know, they, they define me. I can't yeah. be defined without them. Right. I don't exist without them, mm -hmm. without the relationship that we've developed over these years and, and in this work together. So I, I get to exist. That's what I get out of it. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of speed of answer I was I dig that. <laughs> hoping for. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a similar word and I can't remember offhand the name of the community or the language that it's from, but the word is in Ubuntu and I can, <clears throat> it comes from the southern western region of Africa mm -hmm. and that it, one can't truly understand oneself without understanding others. Mm -hmm. It's only you can understand yourself in relation to others because mm -hmm. there's no you without us because we're... <laughs> One human is a really useless being on the world, <laughs> yes. you know, like there's no role, there's no thing, there's no we don't future. exactly fit in <laughs> to like the natural cycle yeah. or balance of things, it's just a lone human, yeah. uh, you know, like if uh, we were in, uh, um, in nature, there would be no like man versus nature where you win, like mm -hmm. nature doesn't need you, um, <laughs> uh, it's our connectedness that, uh, that's really interesting and beautiful. Yeah. But I know that was a really difficult question, but part of asking that again is uh, getting a sense of who you are, what drives you, what, why this matters so much. Because sometimes people are in the fence, you know? Who are you and what's going on? And I've seen spaces like this. I'm afraid to come. I'm afraid to like be open and do that stuff. I don't know if y'all noticed, I was trying to get you to do what you do here <laughs> with me in front of others so they can hopefully feel that same feeling when they come to sit in the same space with you to share mm -hmm. their experiences, so you help tell that stuff too. Because uh, when I get to experience it, it was just so much fun. Uh, hearing people's stories or like uh, when we laugh, we're like, ah, I get that, you know? Yeah. Like I connect with you immediately, I understand that uh -huh. thing. And I wanted them to have that experience of you. Cause I don't know who or where people may come to you from, right? right. But without a connection to you, they may not show up. Yeah. Um, and you really digging into that stuff and telling those folks why, uh, I think really matters. When Desiree asked uh, if I'd have you on the podcast, especially after seeing what you did, I was like, yeah, you'd be a perfect fit. I have no question or qualms about it. There's so many issues that you talk about and do that are things I talk about on a regular basis. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, it's hard because, I mean, we're all just taught so many weird things about how to be, and it's not always the most natural way of being, you know, you know, like maleness, Americanness, middle class, like these are just weird ideas. <laughs> They're not people or things, you know. Uh, we didn't worry about that stuff before. It's not so important that we worry about it now just for somebody else's certainty. Um, so being in a space where I'm going to come talk to you about that and help folks understand was important. So with that, uh, tell them a little bit more about what's happening here. If you can tell them about timelines, spaces, uh, times that you'll be around. Folks can always get in contact with me, so I can always get in contact with you. Uh, but I know you've got something going on tomorrow night. Yes, so um, we're at the, so we're, because we're working at ASU, we're kind of on an academic school year schedule. Mm -hmm. So this will be our, finals are happening. Yeah. So this is our last trip of this um, school year. Mm -hmm. um, but in town, tomorrow night, Friday, April 27th, from 7 to 9.30 p.m., we're having people um, come to the Phoenix Indian School Visitor Center at Steel Indian School Park mm -hmm. and um, chat with us and meet us and, mm -hmm. and share yeah. 
why we'd say talk story, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and do that. Um, but this now, when we um, go away this summer, I'm going to write, 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 write. And then we come back next year, we'll be back probably once a month, all through the next, starting in September. Beginning okay. of September, we'll be back. Great. Um, and we'll be back at least once a month through until February when we start rehearsals, and we'll be here for quite a while. Yeah. Um, weeks and weeks. Yeah. And so we're going to... Um, continue to, uh, as we said, continue the process then. Um, along the way, there's lots of ways to get in touch with us. Um, here at ASU, uh, we have an associate, uh, Sequoia Lynn Dance, who's um, Shoshone Bannock and Isnebwa, and she is our community engagement coordinator at ASU in Dr. Burgoy's office. Um, can give you her email, I guess. It's sdance at mm -hmm. asu.edu. sdance at dance, D -A -N -C -E, at asu.edu. And she's the person that um, coordinates our schedule and outreach and stuff when we're coming since we're not on the ground here. And mm -hmm. we don't know that some that Phoenix, they can take an hour to drive across Phoenix because it's that big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes more. Depending <laughs> yeah, on exactly. <laughs> like we have no concept. So she's, she's the on the ground person that can help coordinate things. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of, um, next year we've been talking to a lot of folks about doing workshops, mm -hmm. something we love to do and contribute to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, today we're at the um, we? Health Center. Health Center. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, one of the ladies said, our senior group has been wanting someone to do a writing workshop with us to mm -hmm. like record our stories. These people are dying. We need to get yeah. their stories. And so we can't get anyone to come. And we're like, we'll come. Like, yeah. great. That would be amazing. We'd yeah, love to yeah. come you know, for free, you know, help yeah. you uh, learn how to collect stories and tell yeah. stories to each other and, and write them. Yeah. Um, same thing with the youth over at um, the Indian Center. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be working with them, doing workshops with them, and so that's something we're very excited about, um, too, writing, acting, theater making, that sort of thing. And so we'd love to include people in all of that next year, as in addition to this process that we're doing to create this play. Yeah. What else happens next year, oh, auditions? Well, we'll, yeah, we'll be having auditions. Uh, <laughs> And well, we'll be doing readings of the play and uh, getting response from people. We'll be having auditions uh, for the play. The auditions are fun. Mm -hmm. they, they are. are <laughs> they're not scary. They're not scary. They're, you're not put on the spot and put in a terrible position of feeling judged and looked at, hopefully. That's at least the objective. Good. But they are a lot of fun. I think people really enjoy them, Good. Uh, whether they wind up being in the play or not. Uh, but we're seeking people to participate in all kinds of ways, uh, particularly indigenous peoples, mm -hmm. to participate in all kinds of ways, on stage or off. Mm -hmm. We'll be looking for performers to do, the, if people have performances they want to do, dance, stand-up comedy, uh, fashion show, whatever, mm -hmm. we will have spaces for those kind of things to happen. Yeah. Um, I, we imagine. Yes. That's what we're thinking, yeah. uh, uh, given what people have said to us. And uh, yeah, so we're doing that, and then we'll be in residence for, I guess about a month and a half to put on the show starting in mid February. Mm -hmm. And the show goes up in April. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah. I just love getting to brag that, you know. I'm a small part of your giant, amazing project. <laughs> uh, I love what you're doing. Um, and uh, the reason I ask the questions in the way that I do is I like people coming to the understanding. Like, uh, I could just tell them about what I learned mm -hmm. about what you did, but me asking questions that helps them hear your heart, I think is really important. But I think this is going to be uh, an amazing project. I'm really happy to see it in Phoenix specifically, because there's just so many people here. Uh, and they just have been unheard for so long. And like y'all said, right, everybody gets something out of this experience. Um, we all learn. I think healing happens uh, in a lot of different ways yeah. for all peoples too, right? Because um, 
Uh, with me and my work, one of the biggest misnomers that happens in the world uh, with everything that I do is the notion that people in uh, dominant positions aren't hurt by what happens. Mm -hmm. And they really are. Sure. Um, Absolutely. That solidarity, that disconnection, that um, having to hold that stuff up, that hurts so many people. Sure. Um, there's a lot of cost to that. Um, we've just been talking about a potential project that we've been approached about doing with prison guards. Mm -hmm. And the what their jobs, the position their jobs put them in causes them tremendous damage. Yeah. Yeah, and then nobody really looks at that, right? Yeah, like, oh, you're well paid, you're fine, no, you, know, you have a good job. Right, yeah. It's no one's deep. aware of that cost. Yeah. I've, I've found in policing, like, they're not aware of their cost either. Yeah. Uh, when I helped them to try to re-understand what their jobs should be, I was like, you know, we didn't have police when we were just small groups of people. There was no, like, hey, you're the police of us, because that's a weird job, right? Because who would police, like, three people? And I was like, there was people that you'd call if there was problems mm -hmm. that would help you and they'd help fix the problem, but they wouldn't just drag you off and stick you somewhere and never talk to you again. And then, <laughs> and then when you were done, they'd be like, okay, hop back in, you should be good now, <laughs> right? Um, you know, helping them imagine a world where it's not 911 call after 911 call. What if you just got to help people fix issues, uh, connect to resources, heal from whatever's happening, but they're so used to the urgency, next call, next call, next call, next sure. call. I'm like, your job's horrible for you <laughs> yeah. and it's not what you wanted to do when you I mean there's some folks that signed up for what they're doing sure. but there's some folks that just wanted to help and they don't get to help um, they cover problems but I think that's what you're helping people do uh, in this way with your art so I'm really happy to, to see y'all do that so with that, um, thank you so much for your thank time. You. I appreciate you Thanks. being here. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me or uh, these folks, uh, you can always email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. Uh, or you can call the voicemail line at 860-576-9393. Uh, uh, text me, leave me a voicemail, give me some feedback. I can always forward the voicemails along to my good friends here. And we'd love to hear from you about your thoughts, uh, if you'd like to connect ways they can do things better because they're totally open to that process mm -hmm. uh, and they'd love to hear from you and I just deeply appreciate your time and thank you for coming over I had a wonderful time talking with y'all thanks it was awesome yeah, yeah, thank I appreciate you. it thank you